is ready for a word tonight? Ooh, I like that. Lively crowd. All right. Uh, as you know, we are in a message series right now called The Blessed Life. I hope that you are being blessed by this series. I know that I am. The Word of God is just illuminating and, uh, and, and really impacting my life in this series a lot. And I, I hope that you could say the same. This is our third week. In week one, we talked about in the area of God's covenant with tithing and giving how there is a test. How God asks us to test Him to show Himself faithful when we choose to obey and honor Him in the way that He is laid out in the Scripture that we would give of our first fruits or the first tenth, which is what tithe means, tenth or ten percent. It's the first tenth of our increase. God says, test me and see how I will show myself faithful to you. Week two, we talked about how there is a warning, right? God makes it clear that when we take the first fruits, the portion that's his, and take it for ourselves, God says that that is actually robbing him because we're putting our hands to something that's supposed to be sanctified and sacred, set apart only for God. When, when that happens, it the warning is, is it causes us to come out from under the covenant covering that God promises to provide over us, which is essentially like a shelter, a protection, and a, a place of blessing that those who walk in faithfulness with God in the area of the tithe have the right to actually walk as heirs of. So tonight, part three, we are going to talk about how there is a promise. There is a promise. And this is wonderful. How many of you have an aunt or a grandma or a family member, when you get a gift at your birthday or at Christmas time, you know, you get a gift bag. But when you get a gift, you start to open it and there's all kinds of gifts in one gift. Have you ever had that before? It's like, oh, wow, it just keeps going. And there's another thing and another thing. And it's one gift loaded with gifts. You with me? The promise that God makes in his word for those who honor him in the tithe is a lot like that. There's a promise that's kind of filled with layers of promises. Pretty cool, huh? Isn't that awesome about God? I mean, he's always willing and wanting to bless your socks off. I love that. So we're going to examine the promise that God makes to those who will honor him and surrender to him, submit in the area of trusting him with the first fruits of their increase. We're going to go back to our text that we've been starting at every week. These are our anchoring verses in Malachi chapter 3. And we've talked through many scriptures throughout the Bible, but this is kind of what the uh, anchoring verses are for our series. So let's read those tonight one more time, and then next week, is going to be week four. We're going to close it out. Pastor Mike's actually going to be speaking about stewardship and the importance of managing and stewarding our resources as well. We know that the tithe is essentially like the foundation of where we begin in the area of our resources, but managing and stewarding our resources that we have, how many know that's also incredibly important to God continuing to provide more for us to work with and do things with? Right, faithful and little, faithful and much. So that's a concept of stewardship, and Pastor Mike's one of the best when it comes to just managing and stewarding and being resourceful 
you know, he's our executive pastor, oversees all of our operations, and I assure you it's for a reason. He's very gifted in that area. And so I would say, as far as teaching goes, this is in his wheelhouse. So I hope you'll enjoy that. But tonight, we're going to talk about Malachi chapter 3. There is a promise. Let's read beginning in verse 6. For I am the Lord, and I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. That's the theme of Malachi. The Lord is saying, return to me. Get back to a place that you once were, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? They're playing naive here or ignorant. They don't, what are you talking about, God? He says, will a man rob God? You have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. So you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord. There's the testing. See if I will not open for you. Here comes the promises. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven Pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Lord, we just ask you tonight to speak to us, God. We want to live under your covering. We want to live in your promises, God. Help us to see by the truth of your word what your ways are and help us, God, to align our ways with your ways. We require your grace even to accomplish this, Lord, for apart from you, we can do nothing. But through you, God, nothing is impossible. Help us to step into a lifestyle of living according to a supernatural economy. A lifestyle which you invite us into. A lifestyle which we must access by way of faith and by understanding truth. Help us to see that clearly tonight. I pray that you would minister to each and every person right where they are. In their heart, in this season of their life through all the experiences that have shaped their perspective to this day. God, would you minister uniquely and in a custom way as you so amazingly do every time? Would you do that tonight, Lord? We give you place and permission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, so we're talking about a promise. And so let's, let's break this down layer by layer with these promises. Or the promise that has multiple bundles to it, if you will. The first point, if you're taking notes, let's talk about is the devourer. I'm sure you caught that. Probably if you've been in church for more than a few months, you've maybe heard that phrase used, that God will rebuke the devourer. What does that mean? Let's, let's plow into that. Let's get some spiritual depth and some substance uh, in, in this whole teaching, in this truth right here about the devourer. So if you do a word study in the Bible around devourer, 
you will find that it's, it's used in many places. Most often, it is used to describe locusts. Y'all know what, I just saw one of those the other day, right? Isn't it however many years there's like a, a bunch of locusts that come, or every now and then you still see a couple here and there, right? Or cicadas or whatever they call them. So most of the time when you read about some, the devourer coming or things getting devoured, you'll see that there are locusts that are coming in by swarms and they are devouring the fruit of the crop. They come in and they, they swarm and they eat every last bit of fruit and of value that is on the stalk or the crop. They absolutely leave nothing remaining. All you have is waste and stubble once they're finished passing through. How many of you remember this guy on the screen from when you were a kid and you used to watch Looney Tunes, the Tasmanian Devil? If you don't know this guy, you're, you're missing out. I'm just telling you, this is when cartoons were really cartoons right here. Yeah, amen. And uh, this guy, the Tasmanian Devil, he would come through town and he would devour everything that was in his way. You remember that? <laughs> this is kind of like the devourer right here. Comes through and just takes everything, leaves nothing remaining. We know that the enemy, you know, he is not a respectful enemy. He doesn't show mercy. He doesn't hit you a couple times or take some things away from you and then kind of back off because you've had enough. I mean, there was even a time where there were considered to be rules of war, right? Where there were certain things that if they were done, even in a time of war by any particular nation, that they would be charged afterwards with war crimes. Our enemy, our foe, has no mercy and no respect. He is only interested in one thing, stealing, killing, and destroying. I guess that would be three things. <laughs> But he is bent on total destruction. And so we see that the devourer represents that locust. It's, it's a natural thing, an, an insect, of course. But, you know, you go further in Scripture and you go all the way to Revelation chapter 9. And John has a prophetic vision during the tribulation period. And there is actually a point after the fifth angel sounds the fifth trumpet where it says that a, a, a lid or a latch is opened from the great deep pit or the abyss, and there are swarms of locusts that actually come out. And for a period of time, listen to this, they torment only those who do not have the seal of God on their heads. 
Now, these are not physical locusts. Almost all theologians agree because Scripture says these locusts have bodies shaped like horses and faces like men. So these locusts represent demonic spirits actually being released from the pit of hell to bring torment. Listen, God only allows it to happen to those who do not have the seal on their heads. Meaning they are not marked under covering. Are you catching that? So the devourer, he's running rampant. He's using all of his means and abilities, whether they're natural or whether they're demonic, all at his availability to try to destroy and devour anything and everything that God wants to put into your hand and in your life to do the work that he's called you to do. God wants to give it to you, and he wants to take it from you. In fact, here's how it happened with the locust. The fruit would be coming in on the vine or on the stalk. They would be watching what God was getting ready to birth. Picture that for a second. I see the blessing building and cultivating. And then they would come in and they would devour it right before their eyes, before they ever even had a chance to put their hands on it and experience the blessing that was intended for them to have. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like the resources just keep getting robbed right out from under you? Have you ever felt like things are just being taken from you left and right before you're ever actually even to really able to use that resource or that tool or that provision to accomplish what God is wanting you to accomplish? I'm not saying this be the only reason that there might be trial and difficulties, but perhaps this might be an area where we're not fully trusting God in the area of our first fruits the way he's called us to. Because I know when I read these scriptures, it tells me those who are under covenant, that devourer will be rebuked. You know what rebuke means? Listen, this is powerful. It means that God literally utters a word. Oh, man, look, his word is full of power. The same word that was uttered when God, or when God chose to utter the word, he spoke creation into existence. That same God is uttering words when the devourer tries to come and take what he wants to give you. He says to rebuke, it means to, to stop. Or put an end to. So what happens when we're in covenant with God. And the devourer tries to show up to take what's ours. God literally steps in and stops hell in its tracks. He says I command the destruction to halt. There will not be any destruction or devouring permitted here in this area, in this space of this son or daughter's life because they're marked by a seal and they're under a covenant and you're not allowed to come any further, devourer. Oh, hallelujah. And so we know that to rebuke, it means to put an end to or stop. Locusts, they would get into everything. In fact, they were considered unstoppable or they would have a path that was unalterable. They would even, when they would in, come through an area like a city, they would even get into the bedroom chambers of the homes. So my point is, 
is that the devourer must be stopped by a force that's greater than he. Only God can put an end to the destruction and the devouring that our enemy is trying to bring against us. That's the only authority that will stop the devourer in his tracks and not allow him to come any further. We know that once the people got revelation from what God was saying to them, return to me, honor me in the area of the tithe. We see this in multiple situations, particularly in the book of Joel, you'll see this, where once the people would come back to the Lord and they would choose to obey and honor him, not only would the devourer be rebuked from that point on, listen, it actually says that God told them he would restore the years that the locusts had stolen. Here we go into the layers of blessing. Are you with me? He says, look, maybe you haven't been honoring me in this area of your life. Maybe you just didn't know, or maybe you've just not been walking in faith. You make a decision to obey God at this point in your life. Guess what? He's going to be rebuking the devourer from coming against you in a way that wasn't there before. But God also says that he has the ability to restore back what was even stolen from us to begin with. That's how good he is. And you see, this is the, this is the, man, this is kind of a whole part of God's character is that he wants to restore all of the areas in our life that have been broken and marred by sin in our past. He says, I can turn beauty from ashes. You think God can't restore things that have been taken or robbed from us over the past. He says, not only will I rebuke the devourer from this point on, I am able to even restore those things which have been taken. Maybe your relationships have been broken and, and you've been robbed in areas of joy and peace. I mean, this is an overarching principle throughout our lives. God says, I can restore those things that the enemy has taken from you when you come under a new covenant and a new relationship of walking in faith and obedience to me just think about how there are times in our lives where we may not even be aware of the stoppage that god put to the devourer i think when we get to heaven this is going to be one of the most explosive revelations that we get and that we see is all of the times that the enemy tried to flank us, tried to rob us, tried to come after us. And because we were walking under covenant with God, he just simply said, no, stop. And we were just continue. We continued to enjoy that veil of protection without maybe even being aware of the attacks that were being stopped that the enemy tried to bring against us. Maybe your vehicles last a lot longer than they should. Maybe your air conditioner is not breaking down. I don't know. All I know is that these blessings that God wants to give us and keep the enemy from taking from us as we walk in the covenant of the tithe, these are littered all throughout our lives, throughout every season of our lives. And I don't know that we even have the ability to see most of them when they're happening. 
the devourer. So the second point in the promise would be the windows of heaven. The windows of heaven. He says, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing so much that you won't be able to contain it. Windows mean a portal or a gate, right? We know there's not actual windows up there in the sky, but spiritually speaking, there are. And what God is saying is, when you honor me in this area and you walk in faith in this area, I'm literally going to throw open the gate and I am going to release blessings from a supernatural realm that are going to pass through this portal or gate and they're actually going to be manifested and experienced and realized here in this natural world that you're walking in. In fact, that's the only way that they can pass through to you is if I open a gate or a window that is able to release from heaven what I want to give you here in this world to do the work that I want you to do. He says, I'll open it out. And then he says, I will pour it out over you. This I love. Anybody ever been to a, a, a big Highland Reservoir lake, like on Truman or Lake of the Ozarks or Table Rock, something like that, right? You ever go down to the dam on the other side of the dam when they open up the floodgates? Have you ever seen that? It's pretty powerful. You can feel the power and the energy when those floodgates are, are flung all the way open and every floodgate is open when they're generating power. It's just the sound and the, the power and the disruption in the water. It's just, it's pretty intense. Well, the, the NIV translation actually doesn't say, I'll pour out a blessing for you. It actually says, I'll throw open the floodgates. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Meaning the force of this the power by which I am ready and desire to release blessing to you, it's going to be so intense, this is key, that you can't contain it. That's a very important part of the, the promise because that's kind of an instruction too. You see, let me say it this way. You don't have and I don't have enough storehouses to hold it all. We don't which is good. What would that suggest? We need to start diverting some of it. There's so much coming in. Our storehouses are full and and we can't hold anymore. And the power is still coming in. Almost like we got to start digging little tributaries and little offshoots to start diverting more of this water and these resources that are coming in where to all of those areas where God wants to use us to be generous. To all these other places where God says, I'm giving you absolute abundance that you can't contain. There's a reason you can't contain it because I don't want you to keep it all for yourself. I want you to spread it around. I want you to be blessed to be a blessing. Hallelujah. You see, when we look at this this kind of design that God has, he says there's the tithe, the first fruits. And here are the promises that come along with that. But then you also see kind of another level 
that God's calling us to. And, and this is where the abundance and the extra that we can't contain comes in. He says, I want you to be generous. There are places in Scripture where we see even Israel in Exodus, it says that they came in and they brought, they called free will offerings. And it says they brought them to, to submit those to the work that the Lord had commissioned to do. That's really cool. They were bringing of their abundance and the extra to be generous, to further more of the work or the programs or the ministries, however you want to look at that, that God had commissioned in his nation and with his people. And there was an abundance to be able to do that. Paul even speaks about this in 2 Corinthians 9. He's speaking about taking up a special offering for a missionary project. And when he does, he says, listen, I'm just appealing to the generous nature that I know you have because you understand the word of God and what it teaches us. And so he says, I'm just asking you to be generous. He goes on to say, don't be coerced or manipulated. We should never give out of that, out of pressure or guilt. He says, give not begrudgingly, which means that I don't have a grievance in my heart to do this i'm not doing this in a way that is painful for me right he's, he's kind of digging into this the whole idea of the character of generosity is that it's easy to let it go it's not painful to let it go it's easy to let it go because you know that god's never going to shut off the supply line in fact the only time the supply line begins to change is when we stop being generous <laughs> with what God is giving us in the area of the abundant. Are you with me? Here's what I've noticed over the years. The, the Bible talks about blessings and, and promises that God makes to those who are generous. It does. In fact, let me give you a couple of these. Proverbs 11.25. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed himself. Proverbs 19, 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he, the Lord, will pay back what has been given. So there are promises for blessings on those who are generous. But those promises are different than the promises that go along with the covenant of the tithe for those who trust God in that area. All I know when I think about that is, I want to live under the fullness of all of that. You know, sometimes people are experiencing blessing and they would say, yeah, you know, God's good to me and I'm blessed and praise God for that. But there are times where there's blessings that are coming to them because they're generous, but they are not actually walking under covenant of the tithe. Interesting, isn't it? I think that we need to have access to the full supernatural resources and supply that God wants to bring into our hands to do the great, amazing work that he wants us to do. You know, there is even a spiritual gift of giving. 
If I was to say the tithe is the foundation and then offerings and generosity is kind of above and beyond that, I would say the spiritual gift of giving is kind of like the next level to this, if you will. It says that in Romans chapter 12, listen, verse 6. It says, we all have gifts that are different according to the grace that's been given to us. So let us use them according to that. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If ministry, let us use it in our ministering. If teaching, then in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. And then listen, he who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So there is a a spiritual gift of giving. I would call that uh, extravagant giving. And I believe that God uses people in this area who are already faithful in the area of tithing and in the area of generosity and offering. I want to be in position where God can knock on my door at a moment and, and steer me in a direction where I can make an extravagant offering when there is a very specific need that has to be met. And the Lord has done this with Katie and I multiple times over the years, you know, and I, I just say these things to kind of, I mean, share, like, th- I believe this stuff, right? We tithing and giving and it's, you know, always quite a bit more than the 10% at the end of the year that we're giving of what we have. But there's times where God has come to us and said, I want you to give an extravagant gift. And for us, it's a very large amount. And this has happened multiple times throughout our lives. And you know what's amazing is whenever we do write that check or hand over that resource, there is always an absolute joy to being able to give like that. Because I feel like it's, it's, it's not just tithing, it's not just being generous, it's actually releasing an extravagant gift. Who he has the gift of giving, do it with liberality. Let it go and let it go easy and let it go fast. And watch and see how this blessing, this gift that's extravagant for you, has an extravagant impact on the person who receives it. And God knows what he's doing, doesn't he? He's working all those things out and all those details to where the person giving gets blessed and the person receiving gets blessed. And God gets the glory both ways. I love that. Oh, so he says, don't give begrudgingly to the point where Uh, you would lament or have a grieving heart over it. He says that's that's when you know that there's a work that still needs to kind of be done. If it's hard for you to let it go, or if there's a like grief in your heart, hate to let this go, he says there might be a deeper work that needs to be done there. Freely as you have received, freely give. And I love this picture because Jesus is always in perspective right? he's always in the in the foreground of this when we tithe we're trusting God with our first fruits and then there's the blessing and the promises of the covenant and then when we're generous and give above and beyond that then there's additional blessing that flows right Jesus is called the firstborn of the father or we might say he's the first fruit the best right that came forth for us to make the way for our 
salvation. But when we walk in faith with God, did you know there is a steady stream of grace that constantly flows into our lives in abundance for all the good work that God calls us to as well. This is a picture of how God relates to us. He blesses us. He, he welcomes us into his family. And then he continues day in, day out throughout all of our life to steadily release and flow his grace right into our lives every single day. This is a picture of us tithing and then being generous above and beyond that as well as we go about the work that God's called us to do. And the third point here, if you're taking notes, is the nations. The nations. There is a promise here that God makes. He says, I'll rebuke the devourer. He says, I'll open the windows of heaven. And then he says, and the nations will call you blessed. Now, in Israel, other nations represented those outside the family of God. We would say in the church era that that represents unbelievers, those who are lost, who are perishing. God says, I have a very specific agenda. I am going to bless my people who walk in covenant with me so extravagantly that I'm going to display my goodness to the outside world through that extravagant generosity to my people. It's going to be so extravagant that it will actually be a witness and a testimony to those neighboring nations around them. That's really, really powerful. Think about that. How extravagant does God really have to be to get the attention of a secular world materially driven in such a way that says, that is so amazing and so extravagant. And folks, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about joy and peace and stability and security and all the things that people are lacking in the fallen, broken world out there today. That God is so extravagant to us as children as we walk in obedience to Him that it literally happens in a way where the world around us is like, oh my gosh, that is absolutely unbelievable what's happening in the life of that person. God says, that's how much I want to bless you. I wonder, <laughs> is that happening in my life, right? That challenges me to give and to be generous and to trust God at a, at a whole new level. So that that supply that's flowing in is so significant. It's literally getting the attention of all of the people around me in my circle. God wants to reach the lost. Listen to this in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 31, verse 5. It says, as soon as the commandment was circulated, so as soon as the word was released to the people, it's about tithing and offering. Listen to what happens. The children of Israel began bringing in abundance the first fruits of grain, wine, oil, honey, all the produce of the field, and they brought it in abundantly, the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, tithe of whole, see, everything is subject to the tithe, right? Uh, of all the holy things which were consecrated to the Lord their God, they laid them there in heaps. In the third month they began laying them in heaps, 
and then they finished in the seventh month. I'm going to come back to that because that's very significant. Verse 8, when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw all the heaps, and they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Hezekiah then questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. So all this, all these resources everywhere. What's going on? Verse 10. And then Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left, for the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is this great abundance. So when the people of God are honoring God through this lifestyle of trusting the Lord with the first fruits and being generous in offerings. Do you see what's happening? Everything that is possibly needed in the house of God is available and there are heaps of abundance left over to where now we could focus on delivering resources and ministry to the outside neighboring places around us as well. This is a picture of God's intention for his church. That it would be fully supplied, fully equipped, and fully resourced beyond any other organization on the planet with everything that's needed in every season to provide for God's house, his people, and all those around that God wants to bring the resources to to minister and show himself real to them as well. That's why it said in the first season in the first or the third month and then in the seventh month it represents the beginning and the end of the harvest cycles there was wheat there was barley and then there were the grapes of the fall all harvests were being reaped and the tithes brought in and in every single one of those from beginning to end there was abundance through each and every one of those seasons if you know this about jesus you know that he came and fulfilled those beginning feasts and festivals, Passover and Pentecost. His return will fulfill the fall festivals of trumpets and ingathering and tabernacles. The point is, is that through every season and generation on the face of the earth, God says, I intend to bring a full supply line of resources and abundance into my house so that my people can be a beacon of light for a hurting world outside around them. He says, I want my people to be a reflection of me. I want my people to be a reflection of my extravagant generosity to them. I want them to reflect that to the world around them. And that will be a witness. And they will say when they witness that, the God in Israel is the true God, he says. That Jesus, he's for real. I hear it. Do you hear it? I hear it echoing in our world today. All the unbelievers, all the naysayers, all the people caught up on the high and lofty mountain of the world system right now. Things that they cannot figure out and solve. All of a sudden the people of God are so resourced and so blessed that they're turning their eyes and ears and saying, that Jesus is for real. Because we've seen something that defies all the natural logic that we've been subscribing to. And folks, I'll close with this thought. You know that giving and being generous and, and, and giving more 
and then receiving more makes absolutely no mathematical or practical sense. Think about it. I'm going to give more away, and I'm going to have more after I do. It makes no mathematical or practical sense, and that's exactly the point. Because God says, I've chosen the things that the world calls foolishness to confound them. I've chosen the things that are considered weak and abased to actually put to shame those who think they're mighty. I've said that I have a way of living that's supernatural, that is not a part of the world's economy and world system, and I'm inviting you to step in and live in that place. Ezekiel had a vision of the millennial temple, of the time when Christ has returned. And in the millennial temple, do you know that we still see offerings being brought by people and priests bringing offerings before the Lord? Probably there's a spiritual application because we know sacrifices won't be happening there. But the point is, giving and offering uh, as a gift to the Lord and a way of worship, our generosity, it's a heavenly behavior, not a natural worldly behavior, to give because we want to worship God in the way that we do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you think about it, if you really think about it, God's asking for more than just money. I think this just kind of speaks to what we're willing to do in the other areas of our lives. For many people, once this one drops and they give this one over to God, it's amazing how many other things start falling in line. Because God's saying, bring me your first fruits, not because I need it, because I just... I want your heart, <laughs> but really, really, Jesus says, I'm asking you to give me your life. I gave it for you. I'm asking you to give your life to me. Let me call the shots. I have a better way. When we put him first like that, there really is no area of our life that we're not willing to surrender when we see in the truth of his word the instruction made clear by way of revelation or unveiling by the Holy Spirit to us. I see it now, Lord. He's saying, I want you to live like that, full surrender in every area of your life. Because if you get held up and you push back and you hold on or you tarry, it, it, it's really just going to kind of delay or mess with this whole plan that I have for how I want to use you. The fullness of this purpose that your life is meant to be is only lived out under a, a mode of surrender <laughs> and submission. This is an area that tests our heart. This is an area... That God says there's so much more than money. When you trust me to give of your treasure, I'm getting your heart in a way that's going to allow me to do some amazing things after that. 
And I close with that. In fact, I just ask you to kind of bow your heads here and close your eyes. And I want you to think about this. Is there any area of your life that you feel like perhaps you have not surrendered to God? I know this is a message about tithing and giving, and so that's perhaps the area for a lot of people, but this message really is meant, I think, to convict us about surrendering everything to God. Is there an area in your life that you have not surrendered to Him? If so, why? Do you trust Him? Is He trustworthy? know he's good? Do you know he has a better way? Then I want to encourage you. I, I think there is a there's a there's a measure of faith that's rising here in this place tonight. I want to encourage you now in this moment where God might be speaking to you. The Holy Spirit may be revealing something to you. Say yes to him. Lay that thing down. Make a vow right now between you and God. I sense right now there are people that there are some things that you've been putting off. Like you've known this and you've kind of been putting it off that the Lord's been telling you. Might be a relationship. Might be in the area of finances, resources. Could be a number of things. God kind of already answered the question. He kind of already showed you the crux of the issue that you're struggling with. And it really goes back to a place that God's asking you to fully surrender. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you tonight. Jesus is absolutely amazing. His way is always a better way. He will lead you down the path everlasting. And he is the God who even is able to restore the things that you think were lost. The things that you think were taken from you. That God can restore back to an area of fruitfulness abundance, a land gushing forth with fertility. Hallelujah. He's been doing it for centuries. Will you trust him tonight? Make that decision. Draw a line in the sand. As for me and my house, there's no turning back. I'm saying yes. Maybe you're here tonight or you're watching online. And maybe that question, that area of surrender is actually accepting that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of the world. That he came to die for you, suffered and shed his blood so that you could be forgiven of your sin, welcomed into an eternal home. 
You say, Pastor, I've heard the stories, I've been to church or taught those things, but never really has this been a decision that you've made to give in to Jesus, to surrender to Jesus, make him Lord of your life. You can invite him in right now. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Whoever will open the door and welcome me in, I will come in and dine with him. It's the most important decision that you will ever make this side of eternity. What will you do with Jesus? If you've never given your heart to him and you feel the spirit of God tugging on that right now, by divine persuasion, God is drawing you to him. I plead with you and appeal with you. Don't turn away. Fall fully into his arms tonight and you'll never look back, I assure you. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Fill me with your life, with your spirit. Make me a new creation. I want to live for you and you alone. Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? Wash me and make me clean. Help me to walk in that security and confidence in knowing that I am your child made me and created me uniquely and special to accomplish a purpose on this earth that no other could fulfill. God, I need you. With all my breath, I need you in order to walk that out. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. Amen. Listen, if you're here tonight and you prayed that prayer, you ask Jesus into your heart. Maybe you're watching online and you made that decision to accept Christ. Possibly you want to get back to walking with Jesus. You've been down a broken road and you want to get back to walking with him. We're here to help you do that. The local church is there to help you walk out your destiny, your purpose. We would love to connect with you. I want to encourage you as our prayer team comes down to the altar here this evening, you say, I made the decision to give my life to Christ. While we worship one more time before we go out of here, would you come down and just share that decision with some one of these wonderful folks at the altar and ask them to just pray with you, encourage you? Or maybe you're here tonight and you need prayer for something else, whatever it might be. We don't want anyone to leave without an opportunity to receive ministry, to be prayed for, Online, Just throw the praying hands in the comment section, and we've got folks who will connect with you virtually right there where you're at. The rest of us, let's just stand to our feet. And I announce to you, God is a good God, isn't he? He's an extravagantly generous God, and he says, I will equip you to do every good work that I'm calling you to do. Let's be blessed, let's be generous, and let's reflect the nature of God to a world that needs to see that right now.